Welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And I'm pretty excited. I got something different today. I got the uh, developers from We The People on. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey pleased to meet you. Yes, yeah, same to you. So I have to say, I love the trailer. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to hear your story and everything else that's going to go along that way. You guys got some traction going, I see. You know, I saw a great video from Blue Drake, from Moy Dog. Uh, you know, you guys were in a PC gaming website. So you guys got to be pretty excited right now. Oh, man. Excited, uh, nervous, understanding uh, the weight of it all right about now, you know, yeah. and, and uh, hoping to live up to seemingly some pretty big expectations. Yeah. So now before we jump into everything there, let's, you know, what is sort of, uh, you know, why don't we go through and just you guys each introduce yourself and sort of, you know, how, uh, what you guys do with We The People. Sure. I'm Drew. Uh, I, I'm obviously the CEO of Small Indie Company. Uh, I'd like to think of myself as sort of a creative director, uh, but for, for both of our games that we're developing. However, uh, I also do like a little bit of level design, environmental art, um, and some game development, sort of wearing uh, many hats, if you will. But I leave most of the development up to these guys. Ian? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Ian Goldsmith. Uh, I'm currently working on the movement component um, getting our, our character movement and all that um, up to up to stuff. Cool. And Cody? Hey, my name's Cody, and primarily my main focus right now is working on a fully-fledged, just big old spatial inventory framework for us to really kind of build on. Nice. And now, what is everybody's background that that's, you know, here with us right here? So I guess uh, to start off, you know, I, I come from a, a sort of IT and cybersecurity background. Uh, obviously, I spent time in the in the army, and when I got out, I uh, I, I sort of talk about this in the in the devlog. But when I got out of the army, I kind of had this this natural void. I feel like um, that was just sort of missing. And um, you know, I've always been an avid gamer, and uh, obviously picked up game development. And here we are. Cool. And Ian. I would be next. Um, so I went to the University of Advancing Technologies here in Arizona um, back in 2013 for game design and game programming. Since then, I've led and been a part of lots of small projects that unfortunately never really went anywhere um, until Drew reached out to me and I, I joined this project. Cool. Cody? Uh, currently working on my bachelor's for computer science, which has been kind of a waste of time because I haven't learned anything yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Mostly just programming, and I've got really involved with game development. And now, from a game, from a gaming standpoint, we know sort of what is your guys all sort of like you know gaming background? Are you guys all fans of like the survival games, the first person shooters, or are there some of you guys out there like, hey, we love Sims? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, definitely a, a variety gamer, if you will. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, competitive FPS, tactical, uh, hardcore tactical shooters. Definitely extraction shooters as well. Big fan of EFT, uh, Hunt Showdown, things like that, of course. Uh, I liked the cycle before that closed down, rest in peace. Um, you know, I, I've been a big fan of, of competitive shooting, just like Counter-Strike and, and obviously a little bit of COD game battles back in the day, stuff like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of RPGs, MMOs, things like that. And so trying to, I guess, bring in RPG elements into what we're doing is is uh, second nature. Loyal. Dean? Um, I... I... And more on the, the Mountain Blade um, fantasy style, uh, turn-based, or Crusader Kings 3. Yeah. 
Um, I, I haven't actually touched a first-person shooter game in a while, but I recently did get into Tarkov. Ah, okay. He's been converted. And you've, yeah, you survived. <laughs> now that he's working on one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And Cody, what, what's your, some of your favorite games? Uh, pretty much a mirror of Drew with the addition of a lot of horror stuff. So oh, I like okay. additionals like uh, Outlast, for example, which recently yeah. released Outlast Trials. So that's been pretty fun. Nice. But tactical shooters, Ground Branch is kind of a uh, kind of a staple for me and what I like. Yeah, nice. All right, so let's talk about the small indie company, Drew. What made you decide to start it? Well, obviously, the the concept of small indie company, the origin of the name is is a meme, right? It's it it sort of uh, comes from you know a, a sort of play on Activision and Blizzard and and obviously Riot Games stuff like that. It's it's this concept that you know you might have a a very large, fairly bloated conglomerate, uh, a AAA company coming out with a multi-million or billion dollar game and in some cases it's still not polished it's still not finished it's uh you know there are some somewhat glaring issues and uh the the sort of joke online is ah give activision a break they're a small indie company and so we kind of uh kind of wanted to to lean on that a little bit and we thought it was kind of funny um and you know we also want to show that we don't take ourselves too seriously uh, we we take what we do very seriously, but we're never going to be um, the company out there that that is, uh, you know, trying to preach to people. You know, yeah. we're not activists, nothing like that. You'll never find that there's politics involved in any of the games we're making, anything like that. We're just trying to make good games uh, at, at a reasonable price. You know, we're not a crypto NFT Web three, nothing like that. Uh, we're we're just we want to make games we are gamers uh and so we're making games you know by the people for the people as hokey as it sounds yeah. um that's truly what we're doing and um you know we got a lot a lot of uh room to grow of course but a uh, small indie company is small and and thankfully it's it's starting to be uh not so small it's starting to grow with a lot of volunteers especially mm -hmm. since we've been public facing there's been just a a tremendous amount of uh, people reaching out and wanting to get involved and we're we're very thankful for that. We're also humbled by an opportunity like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that is uh, the origin of small indie company. It's, it's right. how can we, how can we basically bring back gaming into the industry these days, you know? Right. And um, uh, it really started with sort of my solo projects. Um, and, you know, once again, I, I, I find, I found myself uh, needing to surround myself with, with skilled professionals, people that know far more than I do um, and are, are far more proficient than I am. Uh, but I have these ideas, I have these concepts, and I'd, I'd really like to bring them to light without necessarily jeopardizing the integrity of these ideas. And so that's what we're doing. And that's sort of the the, the ethos behind Small Indie Company. Okay. And now, pardon my ignorance, I, I don't know the whole, you know, from a developing a game standpoint, but so you're the, you're the developing, you're developing the game. Where does a publisher fit into that mix? Or is a publisher even needed today? Because you don't need you know, to press thousands of CDs or anything like that. It's really throw it up right. on, on li a line in the cloud. And, you know, where does a publisher fit in these days? Man, it's it's a hot button issue. Uh, and it's a, it's a good question for sure. So since we've been public facing, we've had uh, a tremendous amount of publishers reach out to us. People oh. that make, you know, some of our uh, favorite games. You know, we uh, Cody named a game earlier. We don't have to touch yeah. on it too specifically, but... You know, we're, we're, we've, we've been in communications with quite a few, and uh, I think it is not necessary these days to have a, a publishing arm. Uh, and, and so 
you know, I think as a small development team, it would make the most sense to side with a publisher. In fact, I think in almost any circumstance, most small development teams are trying to find a publishing arm to represent them or to work side by side with them to get the game out and get get in, for, in front of as many people as possible. Yeah. Uh, in our circumstance, though, we've been very fortunate to to get a lot of traction and, and eyes on what we're doing. I mean, Steam Next Fest alone brought two million eyes on what we're doing. And uh, we're we're very thankful for those those types of opportunities, and uh, that's why we're not necessarily in any rush to to partner with a publisher. Yeah. I think um, traditionally, what a publisher would provide to a, a small team like ours is uh, the type of comfort uh, and stability, you know, to keep the lights on, of course, mm-hmm. but but also uh, to allow us to do this type of thing full time. And and you know, someone like Ian, for example, you know, he works uh, with with Halo, for example, for his his main his main gig and so uh, a publisher if if somehow we secured something like that it, it would definitely provide us the the luxury of bringing on a great dev like like ian to work full-time yeah. for small indie company but uh is it necessary no and and we're starting to see that you know we've we've since we've been public facing we've had a lot of uh, love and support from fans and stuff like that we're very thankful for that as well and so we're starting to notice that it's um not a necessity it's it's a nice to have yeah now would the publisher put an influx of capital into the company to get more talent on or that's sort of that's on your own to sort of you know raise your your funding that way to bring on full-time people or just you know find the talent on your own yeah i think it would depend on what the publisher uh their intentions are are they trying to grow the company in like a business sense Mm -hmm. are they trying to uh you know grow the game into what it could be or should be arguably and so in that sense um yeah i would say they would definitely inject capital into the into the game to the project into the company in some cases uh in exchange for equity into the game or the company right uh and and obviously the 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 requisite decision making from there you now have a uh uh, a member of the publishing team who's who's sort of helping guide a small right. development team like ours and so uh, i think what's you know really important from us if i was to speak from candidly from our perspective is is that we don't necessarily relinquish the creative we know what we want to make yeah. we have um a good idea clearly uh and and it's just a matter of, of having the time to grow into those those big boots you yeah. know we have boots to fill and and quite a lot of expectations upon us and so you know yeah rising to that that challenge is is important and not letting a publisher sort of dictate or change right obviously we're making an extraction shooter say a publisher thinks Mm -hmm. we might be more profitable if we make a br you might be more profitable if we do a store or a cash shop or right. web three crypto things like that we've had everything offered to us uh anything under the sun rather and so in most cases, uh, it's it's not very appealing because it oftentimes comes with a sacrifice to the yes. creative, and so that's what we're learning, and we're 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 sort of learning how to navigate around that type of environment. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's your baby, sort of like if we talk Tarkov, it's Nikita's baby, and you know you 100%. don't have a you know person over your shoulder saying, hey, like you just said, you change the direction, add this into your game, right. add this. It's this is your vision or your team's vision to you know to you know see this to the end. Yeah, and and you know, to Nikita's credit, I think he's done an amazing job at balancing uh, his his baby with with the success he's found. You know, a lot of people see that Tarkov isn't what it's ever intended to be. It's just what it was necessary to get it to this point. Yeah. And 
Uh, I think as it shifts, as it changed, uh, changes, it will become sort of his vision long term. Yeah. Um, and and in some cases, that's that's super cool to see. You know, we're we're huge fans of BSG, and we we love and support what they do. Yeah. Well, you know, they they made that game that gave us that itch that we can't seem to scratch, and and sort of leads me into the next question: What made you, you know, create this? You know, why create your own game? Right. Um, I think. You know, tackling your inner created creativity is is super important uh, to any game devs out there, aspiring or otherwise. You guys have to do that. You have to you have to challenge yourselves, and in some cases, uh, go against the grain. Right? Like Tarkov is such a niche community, but it is a very vibrant community. It's a very dedicated community, and you know, to to try to make a competitor to that is it's silly. It's crazy, uh, but we're trying and. I think in some cases we don't want to make the next Tarkov. We want to make we the people, uh, and and we have nothing but respect. Once again, for Escape from Tarkov, uh, we recognize in some cases we're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, uh, from a lot more than just DFT, right? Yeah. There's there's so many games out there over the last ten years that have motivated everybody, and yeah. we're trying our hand at that, and we're trying to improve and iterate upon that blooper. Well, that's that's the nice thing about you know having your vision. You can take the best pieces of different games, like the division, right. take Daisy, combine that in, and like, hey, you know, we don't live in menus. We're gonna have this sort of like a, you know, like division. You just walk in, you have your safe area, and and you do all your things there. That's you know, but bring it into a hardcore first person shooter. That's yeah. really cool. No main menu simulators, right? And like you're saying, it's it's this uh, it's this sense of foresight going into the development process. We know what we love from a variety of games, a variety of genres, and in some cases, we are blending genres. Uh, but I think it'll pay off in the end. And and really, all we need is time. Yeah. And, and thankfully, once again, because we're not a large AAA conglomerate, we don't have a publisher, uh, you know, putting a gun to our head, so to speak. You know, we 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 get the freedom to just grow into uh grow and scale uh as yeah. as needed and to touch on that point so you know being you know, there's no no gun to the head there's no clock ticking with being you know sort of how big is you know uh you know the company right uh, i i'd say we're we're pretty small maybe like 15 people yeah. uh and to be fair i guess looking at it with context is super important right a small indie company is that it's a small team of people but really we're comprised of a ton of volunteers and and some contract hires of course yeah. and folks like say ian and cody they're 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 dedicating their time and they're you know basically putting in the time now because they believe in this concept they, yeah. they believe in the idea and they they kind of want to leave their marks on the industry and obviously you guys can you know talk about that as as you please but from my perspective uh you know, we are a small team and no one's really, you know, it's if 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 money was the motivator, then there would be no one here. Right. right? We're, we're here because we want to make a game we would like to play. Yeah. Yeah. My conversation uh, when you know Blue Drake was on, we talked about his project. He has Operation right. Harsh Doorstop. Super and cool. I was blown away by what he, you know, some of the things he was talking about, like finding talent and, you know, he'd find somebody and they'd have, they'd create a fake repository just because they, you know, you can't trust people and people would go in there and mess things up. And right. the other aspect that really was mind boggling was the fact that he was talking about 
you know, you have to really protect yourself because if you get somebody who comes in, writes a piece of code, they could come back a couple of years later and say, that's, you know, that's mine. That's not yours. And, and so there's right. things that I had no idea you had to worry about when you're creating your own game. Oh, absolutely. Um, in many cases, we've, we've tried to employ as much industry standard practice as we can. And, and we're very thankful, once again, to be working with people like Ian, who are very ingrained in uh, the industry, right? And, and yeah. have worked on very large projects. And obviously, folks like uh, Cody, you know, he's, he's worked on some, some cool projects, but I wouldn't say anything like commercially successful, right, Cody? Right. Right. And so in some cases, we are aspiring to make something great, but yeah. at the same time, you know, you don't necessarily see us at the doorstep of any large studio, you know, begging for, for, for attention right. or, or begging for a gig and said, we just wanted to come together and make something on our own and, you know, try our hand at it. And I think that's super important. And once again, like you, you kind of mentioned, right. You have to be careful. You have to be very mindful of a lot of these things and, and the risks uh, involved in all of it. And, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, who, who say like, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure that I'm sold on We the People. I don't know if I want to support it or not. And I I just tell them, you know, like, hey, wait till the game comes out. Then you guys can try it and play it. And, right. and obviously, we'll be posting a ton of free demos and multiplayer play tests and stuff like that. Um, mostly for our supporters, but that's just a, a you know a funding thing. But beyond that, we'll have an open play test before launches, a closed play test, things like that. And uh, you know, at least in terms of the security sense, we're utilizing. Uh, industry standard practice yeah. stuff like perforce right for that collaborative space and, and and trying to work on things um together and yeah. it really is a project that uh, all of us are working on together we're all kind of leaving our mark on we the people and um i think by the time it comes together it's gonna be pretty cool well i think that's a key point key comment right when it comes together because you know you guys had the uh, the event with steam which you know basically thrust you in front of the limelight and now you've got people saying oh well you know, I've heard some people talk about, um, you know, the the video, oh, the gameplay, the mechanics. It's like, people, this game is just a proof of concept right now. This is not end game stuff. You're going to, so wait for a year and a half before you make that judgment. Yeah, and, and I think you said that you, you used the right term, thrusted, right? We, we, we put our game out there. We just thought... Um, Taking the most transparent approach possible would 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 mean the most, at least to the people who were are are interested in following along with that development. You know, we we all loved uh, projects like say the day before. It was one of the most wishlisted games on Steam. It's it's arguably uh, incredibly enticing to see something like that, and and, and it caps cap captures captures all of our interest. But um, you know, when you're only seeing very scripted gameplay and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. It, it kind of, uh, it, it rightfully so leaves people with a bit of pause. And so in, in our case, we thought, well, why don't we just show people the good, the bad and the ugly and, and let them see that every step of the way. And I think, you know, that's kind of what makes us different is uh, we'll, we'll bear all for, for, for you to see, right? Yeah. The, the, the players, the supporters, the community in general, you know, you guys get to see where we're improving at, with each iteration. And so, you know, the UI, for example, that was that was a, a tumultuous subject during Steam Next Fest. Some people uh, didn't mind it. Others absolutely despised it. And so we've been working on new new UI mm -hmm. concepts. And, you know, people, when they get to try the next demo, they'll, they'll see that and they'll go, 
wow, they're they're making iterative progress, and I support it. Yeah, and and that's a, that's like the I like the concept you have is like take you know letting everybody see it, taking that feedback, and then taking right. you know cherry picking the best ideas, the best suggestions, and you know showing your improvement because like you said, you know, with the day before, nobody got to touch, nobody got to use a controller right. mouse and keyboard and move anything. Here, you guys, you guys are throwing it out there, and hey, people, give this a try and. Their experience, you know, experiencing it. I think that was really great. Yeah, and in some cases, you get that feedback uh, even when you don't want it, right? Yeah. You get that very positive feedback, over almost uh, unnecessarily and overwhelmingly positive feedback, supportive feedback, all stuff we really appreciate. But then you get the haters too, and yeah. uh, I think all of it needs to be taken with with balance, right? And yeah. and so at, at the end of the day, the people who kind of uh, understand that that we're we're making an iterative process we're making a proof of concept uh, at least when it came to steam next fest and now we're actually developing the game and 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 you know i'm very thankful for people like cody he mentioned our spatial inventory system we're already employing uh fundamental practices that will improve upon you know some of our yeah. biggest competitors right and, and we look at things like hackers and things that basically plague those games uh, and because we're doing this iterative process and showing people we get to basically learn but also teach at the same time and that's that's pretty cool absolutely so now let's let's go back how did we all how did you guys get here today you know how did you guys you know how did you come together first of all and then what you know that first step of you know showing the game at uh you know for the steam next fest so right. yeah where did you guys all you know how'd you guys all meet first of all sure so uh to i guess to to lay the groundwork. Um, I, I started as a solo dev, kind of teaching myself Unreal over the course of, you know, uh, a, a year or so, maybe a little over a year. And I realized, you know, I was only going to get, I was only going to get so far just based off of my skill uh, and uh, skill and merit alone, right? Yeah. So in some cases, I started to branch out and try to find more like-minded folks, people that were really interested in my concepts, my ideas. And I found a, a gentleman, one of our writers named James. He's um, astoundingly good and, and worked with Wizards of the Coast uh, for D&D and stuff like that. And so we we really started on uh, Fear and Fealty, which is sort of our first project, mm -hmm. one that is very much still in development. And, uh, you know, eventually I, I basically wanted to bring back kind of the original project I was working on, which was an FPS project. Uh, at the time, it was like a, a third person, first person project. Very open world, very large. Um, I think the map itself was like three and a half times Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, wow. So it was supposed to be very ambitious and for a solo dev, um, pretty dumb, right? <laughs> I, I should not be embarking on a journey like that on my own. And so uh, as such, when, when we try to, you know, expand upon what we're, we're trying to create, we need to expand upon our team. And so I reach out to folks uh, through, you know, reputable websites yeah. looking for industry professionals. And sure enough, I found someone like Ian and uh and and man he's he's been amazing and then you know cody i think you you almost deserve uh you're um you could you could have a whole podcast talking about the accomplishments that you have um so cody runs uh the ultimate uh first person framework first person shooter framework am i saying that correctly close enough <laughs> well maybe we get it right how about how about you you take over ultimate multiplayer fps framework not quite close. Okay. <laughs> and what is that? Uh, it's basically, so this is specific to Unreal, mm -hmm. but if you're familiar with their marketplace, they have assets that other developers can purchase to kind of help build out their project with. 
and they had a lot of stuff on there already in regards to shooters, but I never really liked the routes that they take because a lot of those products are, they're very closed off. So you're kind mm-hmm. of, you have to do it our way or you know, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So I wanted they're to build. Very limited. All right. So I wanted to build something not like that, hence the name framework. It's something you can kind of, at least the groundwork for you to build on. Yeah. So, because I know I wanted to build a game in the future. I love shooters, so it's going to be a shooter. So I wanted to build a nice framework that I could have, has everything laid out, that I can just more quickly iterate what I want in the game. Mm-hmm. So another way is, one, I could sell that. People would actually you know, benefit from it, so that helps fund the project. That helps me get other developer feedback that are using it in real projects, so I can improve upon it there based upon, you know, Mm-hmm. what they like, what they don't like, what is hard to work with, that kind of thing. And it just, in the process of about, I think we're actually a little over the two-year mark that two it's years, been up. Yeah. And it's been two years of full-time development for just a, basically a shooter framework. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and, and I that's obviously where I met Cody. Um, like like many other people, uh, I, I found what he, he had made and I was enamored by it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, um, aesthetically very pleasing and and it's it's very thorough uh, and it definitely brings pretty in-depth development tools to you know someone who may not necessarily be that skilled and i think yeah. that's super cool and and in many ways you know you go look at a a triple a AAA project what they've done is created those frameworks that allow them to kind of grow to scale based on the intention of the project long term and, yeah. and so uh, working with Cody we've sort of worked on making a, a custom version of what he's provided to, to everybody and it's um, it's super cool it, it, it's uh, in many ways I'm, I'm very thankful for for that kind of opportunity and uh, in, in many other ways we're, we're lucky that we have folks like say Ian you know Ian you're, you're pretty engrossed in the in the industry and you have sort of your own story to tell and your own experiences. Yeah, um, like it's been said multiple times, I, I'm in a long chain connected to Microsoft and 343 as a contractor. I've been working with them for the past three years, and unfortunately, I'm under a pretty heavy NDA that uh, they're very interested in finding people who break it uh, <laughs> with the, the recent leak of their switch from their in-house engine over to the Unreal Engine for the Halo Infinite series. So that's already leaked. Can't get in trouble for it. <laughs> Um, but I can't really get into anything more than that. Um, but I've been, I've been with, with Microsoft and 343, um, working on their engine, um, their, their in-house proprietary engine for about the entire time. Um, and yeah, it was about through the beginning of the year, December, um, of last year that, um, saw my wife earlier walk by. Um, we needed some extra money, so I started reaching out to a bunch of different locations, putting my resume out there, trying to find another job to get into a more uh, development-focused um, position and hopefully career path. Yeah, uh, and that's when um, Drew reached out to me and brought me on board. Very cool. And now, the, if we as we come up to the Steam's next fest, how did you guys get? You know, was you was was the plan to have a trailer ready for then, or sort of things all came together at the right time, and you know, you 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 submitted it or whatever that process was. Right. Uh, so, what's always been very important to me is that we wanted to follow what I would consider sort of industry standard practice, and you know, whatever that really means. Right. Uh, everyone has their own way of handling things, but I think what mattered to me is that I 
wanted to put it out there. I wanted people to see this concept and see this idea. And I've, I've known from the get-go that I would want to have a very open and transparent process, uh, development process. And so, you know, putting uh, a steam page out there, right. Having a trailer, obviously these are things uh, I made myself and, and, you know, once again, you can probably tell by the quality, it's not the best stuff out there, but it is, um, uh, what we have sort of representing us at the moment. And, and it is, uh, fun to see so many people interact with it, whether it be positive or negative, of course, but uh, at, at some point after having published and, and, and made our Steam page and being public facing, Steam reached out to us uh, as they do to, to most upcoming games. And they just said, hey, you know, uh, would you like to participate in Steam Next Fest? Uh, you can sign up here. And so we did, and, and, and that sort of began a uh, half year grind of just trying to get our proof of concept yeah. out there and so uh kind of like what uh, cody touched on earlier is you know the the unreal engine is is provided for free to, to pretty much everyone but what there is is a market that has uh, a ton of assets like cody's asset for example uh, and so what we wanted to do is kind of kind of slap some things together and get our get our idea out there mm -hmm. um, just enough to where we can see uh in a visual representation of, of sorts what we're looking to build. And, and basically that laid the groundwork for us to actually begin our development, which we've been doing since Steam Next Fest and arguably a little bit before that. And so, you know, when you're dealing with something that is sort of just slapped together, it's not the most performant. It is not the highest quality. And, and so we've now been trying to bring together a team of people to make that are our, our priority. So for example, we brought on Lucas, a technical artist. He's been helping make uh, our, our map and our performance, uh, the, the map's performance specifically, incredibly optimized. And in some cases, you know, we had a lot of complaints about the settings available during Steam Next Fest. So we've been extending out a tremendous amount of settings, right? And, uh, you know, global illumination, hardware ray tracing, ray trace shadows, uh, you know, uh, DLSS, yeah. FSR for AMD, stuff like that. And so once again, following that industry standard, what we're doing is looking at all of our would-be competitors and we're trying to see how we can emulate what they do well yeah. and obviously steer clear of what they do wrong. Right. Very cool. And now let's, let's I, you know, I missed this part, but why don't you describe what the whole concept of We the People is? Sure. So... You know, we we obviously love EFT. We love the the idea that they've they've put forth. Uh, we love games like DayZ and, and and Hunt Showdown and the Cycle. We love the extraction shooter genre, and we're trying to make sort of our love letter to that. Um, obviously, there's there's quite a few of us on the team that are veterans, and um, so what we want to do is bring that sort of um, gritty realism that we know all too well to the gaming and and. You know, Tarkov does a great job at that. There's a couple things that they missed the mark on. And and so we would like to see uh, our own take on that. And that's really what We The People is. It's it's a, you know, a tremendous amount of weapon and firearm customization, incredibly important, right? Utilizing yeah. uh, an immense amount of real world brands and, and providing that to players. So they get that ultimate player agency, super, super important to what we're trying to achieve. But beyond that, you know, we, we are trying to look at the technical aspects of, of games like EFT, games like Hunt, uh, and, and, you know, the cycle, which obviously won't, won't exist much longer. But, yeah. you know, there, there's uh, a lot of ways we look at what they do, and we, we want to improve upon that blueprint. And so to do that, we have to find what 
basically the, the overall player sentiments are, um, where there's a, a lot of complaints and, and we want to basically hear those out and try to implement that into what we're doing. And so through uh, partnering with just a tremendous amount of content creators, we've, we've basically heard out a lot of the complaints, a lot of the perspectives and sentiments of people, as well as obviously the broader community for all of our uh, favorite games, all the games that we sort of look up to and yeah. aspire to sort of emulate. And now we're just trying to create a game that sort of represents that. So what is We the People? We the People is an extraction shooter. It's probably a little bit larger in scale compared to, say, Tarkov. Um, you know, you're not limited to, say, a 45-minute uh, lobby, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, you're going to be following a somewhat the cycle-esque 12-hour um, lobby and you're going to have a constant influx of players and just you know players coming in and out and, and and new refresh loot and stuff like that there's going to be sort of imminent danger at all times and we think that's super cool we definitely dislike the concept of say eft or hunt where once you've cleared that board what are you worried about right what are you, you're worried about what maybe like a couple remaining scabs yeah once to you've been playing. <laughs> right hard, yeah. right once once you've been playing long enough, that that's that's not really a concern to anybody. And so we kind of like this idea that at all times there is that danger. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of our approach. And and you know that's maybe a microcosm of our broader goal, but it's to look at all aspects of the games we love and aspire to be in some in some cases, and uh, and you know improve upon what they've done. Yeah. See, I, I really like the concept of, you know, when I jumped over to DayZ, it's like it, it's missing that gunplay that we have from Tarkov and right. mixing that in. And, I, you know, from your trailer showing the decaying bodies, I love that. You know, you got vaulting, we have snow, and you have footprints in the snow. It's like this is right. this is all really cool stuff. Yeah, I you know, they, they teach you, and, and Ian, obviously you can attest to this from your time in the Army, but what they teach you in the military is this concept of noise and light discipline. It's it's this idea that uh, everything you do leaves a footprint, so to speak, um, you know. And, and so what you want to do is be very uh, mindful and considerate about what you're doing. Obviously, the light you're giving off and emitting, mm -hmm. the noise you're creating. And so in some ways, we want to kind of make this game uh, – a, a very survival-esque where, yeah. you know, you could be hunted or hunt other players. You could be tracked or track other players. And that's super important. So something as simple as, say, footsteps in the snow. That can go a long way, especially from a very organic PvP mindset. Yeah. Or the, the I love the concept of a body could be decaying, fresh blood, or all dried up. So, you know, there's action that has happened, but it's no longer here. Things like that. I think that's a really cool thing for to more immerse yourself into that game. Yeah, and and you know, once again, we we've uh, we've partnered with with folks like say Evasion GG, right? We love the idea of competitive play, and and uh, you know, folks like Utopia Gaming, they all have given their perspectives on what really provides that competitive play. And one thing we like to think of, you know, a skilled We the People player will be able to stumble upon a points of interest and see potentially player or AI bodies littered about, and you know, depending on the state of that AI or player's decay you can sort of figure out how long ago it was killed, like you sort of mentioned. And so that actually provides another level of play and some depth for a player who wants to kind of get uh, get more acclimated and skilled at the game, yeah. right? We definitely don't want to make a game that is 
too hard for people to get into. It's a hardcore game inherently, so it will be tough, right? It will be unforgiving naturally. Um, but you know, I think what comes with the hardcore nature of the game isn't sort of navigating through our UIs or anything like that. That should be simple. Mm -hmm. That should be super easy. And that's what we want to say goodbye to with, say, the EFTs and the yeah. Daisies and all these games that sort of take place in that Soviet-esque, you know, locations. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it's something inherent to being American. <laughs> Convenience, right? Right. But uh, we want the hardcore nature to be about the game and the yeah. gameplay and the gunplay. Uh, and the survivability as opposed to just navigating through things. And so uh, small little visual cues like, say, a decaying body, I think will once again provide that extra depth yep. for competitive play. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you want immersion, but you don't want to be over-the-top realism that, you know, it just, you right. know, it takes away from the experience of, of, you know, being immersed into this game, in this world. Yeah, I mean, Barry, may I ask you, do you, do you prefer reloading each round at a time is that does that actually provide a more meaningful gameplay for you it doesn't but you do have to for when you're engaged in a in a fight if you know if i'm if i'm cheap i'm bringing in two mags and 60 spare rounds now i've right. got i'm gonna pay for my frugalness and now i gotta right. manually load that versus you know our cod like just flip so there is some aspect of that that you you know if you're how you're going, if you're going to be well equipped going into a, uh, a raid or whatever you're going to call it, it's, you know, you should pay that price if you don't, you know, prepare properly. What an insightful response too, because what you're doing is, is sort of capturing the challenge of games like EFT, right? You, yeah. you sort of have to uh, find that balance and then reconcile that balance. And so a lot of what we're trying to do is, is look at the things that end up providing a more meaningful play to people and, and and finding where we can still toe that line to realism and immersion, but not necessarily tedium, right? Yeah. Uh, finding ways, once again, say the queue system, right? Everyone loves when there's a brand new map, for example, on EFT, mm -hmm. but you know what people don't love? Wait. A 30 minute queue, right? Yep. Uh, you know, especially if you're trying to scav in or, or whatever. And so I think what we can do is, is leverage modern tech and modern server yep. server systems and find a way to get that sort of seamless transition and through by having these longer matches matches that don't last 45 minutes you know less than an hour in most cases uh but instead 12 hours right they there's a constant inflow and outflow of players that's going to mean the pl the average player loading screen is is non-existent practically right it's it's seamless you're just hopping in the moment you want to play the game you're playing the game and and that's why we sort of lean so heavily on the concept of there being no main menu simulator yeah. we want players to be in the game at all times right you're not getting cold and that's sort of indicative of a competitive game is to, to remain warm and remain immersed in the yeah. world that we've painstakingly started to create yeah yeah there's two points that you, you really bring up you know the fact that uh you know when you go into a raid that everybody's starting at the same time, now everybody's rushing for those, you know, those POIs versus right. something that has a longer cycle. You, it may not be a, a very active POI. So you may be able to sneak in and get out and whatnot. So that's, you know, I think that's a, a very good way, uh, you know, to approach it. But jumping back to you're talking about, you know, how do you want to load the bullets? Like if I reference Daisy where you've got to take the box, you've got to go into your menu, you've got to, you know, open the box and get to the bullets. And then that's, painful that's not that's breaking immersion yeah. and, and and to me that 
like that would be something someone would say or or label as hardcore but arguably it takes it takes you completely out of it and mm-hmm. it's no longer hardcore it's it's like you say it's it's painful and yeah. um you know it's the idea of opening up a menu going from your inventory to your hand physically holding it doing the action taking it out of your hand putting the next object in your hand it's just yeah it's too much you yeah. know and and so uh call it the typical american thing yeah. but uh we're after convenience and and <laughs> we're not going to sacrifice the immersion or the yeah. realism but we will certainly find a way to make things like say changing an optic on the fly simple yep absolutely i like that so now jumping into sort of the technical aspect of the game so you're developing an unreal engine and this is where my lack of knowledge is going to come through so hopefully cody and ian you're going to be able to like you know answer all these questions and and uh you know provide some great insight here but the benefit i have to think like you were talking about the framework you're developing and with unreal engine i have to think there's like you know sort of modules you can sort of you know like you were saying earlier slap together that you could take in and then sort of massage them how you want them to be so the the development cycle isn't as long where you compare to something like eft which has been based off of on spaghetti code you know, bolting this on into this. And now if you want to change, you've got to go back three layers to change something. Your approach, it sounds like, you know, with a framework, you've got something you're building off and you can go back and change or make adjustments to fairly easily. Right. Yeah. And one of the, for example, like uh, this will be useful for this project. One of the big updates that I had beforehand was separating everything out into modules. So Unreal has their own kind of concept of modules, but think of it like uh, separate containers for your logic, so what your program does. So we might have a module that's dedicated to, for example, the inventory. That's in its own thing, nothing's relying on it. We wanna modify the inventory, we modify that module. We don't have to worry about really much else breaking in the process. Yeah. Whereas if that was intertwined with a bunch of other stuff, you know, then you could lead to a bunch of unexpected problems. You just don't know what's going to be the, uh, the failure point right. there. So that's kind of the approach we're taking where everything is kind of segregated into its own unique container, so to speak, where it doesn't have a bunch of reliance on a bunch of other systems. But then by the time we get to our actual core project, that main module, that is what is going to reference all those small modules, those small little gameplay features that we made and really build and make use of them. So a lot of stuff that we build is going to be built kind of in that framework mindset, so to speak. And Cody, to his point, you know, he sort of mentioned the the idea of of slap together spaghetti code, right? That's, I mean, that's sort of what you saw during the demo, and and yeah. maybe what you see in some of these games that have been out for six or seven years, and they're starting to look at an entire re- rework here and there uh, as necessary. And so, luckily, once again, we with that with that foresight, we get to look at what they're doing and, and basically say, how can we prevent that moving forward? Yeah. And so, something as simple. Say- yeah, <laughs> doing a refactor is oftentimes a lot harder than just deleting it and starting over yeah. for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in some cases, you look at, say, this spatial inventory system that, that Cody's been working on. This is the, the thing that sort of almost everything relies on. But in a way, we also want to be able to iterate and improve upon that moving forward as well. Right. We, if, if we want to expand upon it or make changes to it. We don't want that to break a handful of other things. And so in some ways, what we're doing now with this refactor is uh, saving headaches down the line and, and potentially, once again, a rework seven years later. Yeah. Right? We, don't, we don't want that. We want to build it with good functionality and, and 
almost like good good feng shui now yeah that's super important so (laughs) and now when so you know again you're going to correct me if i'm wrong in this one here but when it comes to like you know ballistics or even sort of the guns are there do you guys have to model all the guns from scratch or there's assets you can get and then okay i want now now i want the ballistics to be x y and z i need to change it that's not rewriting everything, develop, you know, sort of, you know, rendering and, you know, capturing the audio. Is that all the things you have to do or there's pieces that you guys can sort of, you know, bring into the game? In most cases, we wouldn't want to use uh, assets that, that everyone has. Yeah. You know, we obviously did that for the demo. But beyond that, we, we definitely want to have something that is sort of unique to we the people and and that's why we're very thankful to have partnered with a ton of firearm manufacturers optics accessory brands stuff like that and so we definitely have access to to a ton of that information so for example if we wanted to uh partner with a particular brand they would give us the the very accurate dimensions and we could then toss that to a 3d artist they could generate that that content that asset and we could put it into our game and so we're sort of establishing those workflows now and in some cases we do have assets that that represent certain firearms and things like that and and that's a great starting point right but moving forward especially if say we establish ourselves with a publisher someday having that tremendous amount of funding is what's going to allow us to build the game we want to make right with that quality in mind and so you know using assets provided to everybody that means you're sort of uh you know let's say let's say an asset isn't necessarily game ready or it's not made with optimization in mind there's a lot of ways what we can do uh pardon me a lot of a lot of things that we can do to sort of move forward with optimization in mind you know brand specifically is working on a master material that can be applied to practically every uh mesh that we have in our game weapons optics any accessory things like that and so by employing tactics like that what we're doing is is basically allowing ourselves to grow to scale in a major way and yeah. and all of that is in tandem with cody's system his framework that he created where iterating and, and adding say a new optic is something that could be done in a matter of minutes nice. you know we saw obviously not to pick on aft here but it took say six years to add 30 weapons or whatever it yeah. was right this is something we could do in six months or less if we had a a, a very large team of people dedicated mm-hmm. to this task specifically it could be done in days or or a matter of weeks and so it's it's really astounding and and obviously you touched on ballistics that's uh, a very intricate process and we're thankful to have a math wizard like eric <laughs> working on that um he's he's done just the the best job possible trying to create um almost unnecessary realism to it without creating any sort of performance uh drawbacks or or bloats or anything like that and yeah. so um through his efforts we're we're going to be having one of the most realistic ballistic systems in any game you know what you're going to see is that depending on the type of weather right the the air density right of the velocity of around might be different based off yeah. of whether it's raining or it's sunny or it's snowing for example very cool and now going to that elephant in the room EFT something that they've been knocked on was you know that's really hurt them is the you know the net code the audio right. and the anti cheat so let's, yeah. let's let's so let's see how you know let's get your take on you know in your opinion how are you can you provide any details on how you're approaching the audio aspect are you going to leverage you know uh, unreal's audio you know what's what's your right. plan there um, so we've actually been sort of discussing internally whether or not we wanted to use Steam Audio or something like UE's Meta Sounds, which is sort of the newest 
uh, tech provided to UE. And, and in some cases, new tech isn't always the best tech. But with UE, they've done an amazing job at providing new tech. And it's always, almost always, out of the box, just an improvement flat out upon whatever was there prior. And so we're definitely looking at leveraging that. We look at games like, say, Six Days in Fallujah. They're yeah. doing a fantastic job at sound design, right? And a lot a, a lot for us to learn from, right? Yeah. We, we definitely can acknowledge uh, in some cases our sound was was pretty cool during the demo for, for where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in other cases, you know, we had people criticizing, say, that Hollywood suppressor, that little noise. And so things like that, we're definitely going to try to work with some of these brands that we're partnered with and, yeah. and provide an accurate, true-to-life experience for players, especially in terms of the audio. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Netcode, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I sorry to cut you off. Uh, Netcode, though. I know Ian. You know you, you you've been making uh, our movement component a very large priority of yours, and um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and why it's important uh, to have a a good and and more importantly new movement component that is separate, say, from UE's basic default uh, movement component. I could talk about the movement component, but the Netcode is probably better for Cody. Um, but we, we are having a, a fully replicated movement system um, that, that is taking care of both the player's movement for the client side on their PC. That's also being tracked on the server. Um, so that's there's very little visual um, delay or lag. And um, whether the, the player is crouching or proning or running around really fast or spazzing out, um, it's still going to be very accurate as to placements and positioning um, for shots or explosions. Yeah, you, you'll find latency. Uh, people say, you know, from from a different region, you might you might not find that it performs uh, all too different than if you were playing with other people from your region. Yeah. Nice. And now, how and from the sort of what, how are you guys going to approach the sort of an anti-cheat standpoint? Because that's that's truly the hardest thing to swallow with EFT is, right? You know, that's that's hurt them so many times. Whether it's the RMT piece of it or just right. you know that because you're because it's an extraction shooter, your gear is important to you, and to lose that, it's the most important part. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, this is this is probably our most asked question, uh, probably the most opinionated feedback we've received so far. So um, I, I am genuinely excited to talk about this. Um, you know, in terms of uh, anti-cheat, it's so important not to not to just utilize whatever has been sort of uh, dissected already. You know, granted, we'll always have a contingency plan, right? If 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 say all things fail, we could settle with say the easy easy anti-cheat and not to disparage them they have a great a great system but i'm i'm pretty sure and and if if either of you know the the true accurate number I, i'm pretty sure it's like a 37 percent or something like that uh you know success rate that's that's rough and, and you know to 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 those of us who are long-term uh long-term and long-time eft fans you know i've been playing since uh the first public alpha I love the game, but I've I've quit wipes because I saw someone say live streaming on Twitch on labs of them hacking for days on end mm-hmm. with no sort of interference by obviously BSG or right. even Twitch. And that's 
just so discouraging. It it, it sucks. It sucks to yeah. see, and it, it it hurts as a fan of the game. Uh, we love the game, but we hate to see it. And so, uh, you know, not to mention those those types of folks are distributing their hacks, right. their discords, whatever. And it's just it's like um it feels like a, a losing battle, right? It and does. that sucks. And so. Uh, looking at leveraging new tech is is incredibly important. So there's there is stuff out there, and and obviously it's it's getting a lot of attention. But um, things that have not yet been uh, deciphered or or dissected by you know uh, people who who wish to to fuck up games. That's yeah. the only way to say it, right? They You're they right. look to mess up the process. Um, and they look to mess up with uh, mess up the competitive spirit of games. And yeah. so something like, say, any brain, which is a brand new AI anti cheat, it is 99% effective. And what it does is it actually measures a player's actions, um, you know, in game versus their actions out of game. So, for example, their peripheral devices like a mouse, like a keyboard, you know, when you're hacking, you might automatically turn and, and engage with uh, an enemy yeah. right but if you didn't move your mouse or move your keyboard to actually do that action those are the type of things that would flag in any brain system and basically alert us as a team what's happening and what's going on and so really those those systems especially utilizing ai now we're all tired of ai we're all tired <laughs> of hearing about it uh, i know i am you know i i i much prefer the the amazing concept art by say jess uh, or, or or greg or, or any of our lovely folks compared to say mid-journey yeah. but when it comes to something like the software end of things and 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 that type of um just unmatched visual representation of, of what's happening you know when, when you have ai that is constantly looking for these things you know i might have to go take a coffee break or, or something like that right. whereas ai will just forever be watching and mm -hmm. as scary as that is you know I, it's it's not the terminator but look if we want we the people to be a competitive game we have to employ some tactics that are challenging yeah. and and we want to challenge people who want to you know, do do bad who yeah. want to ruin the spirit of competitive play in our game. And so things like that are are, are definitely efforts we're going to be employing to try to provide that that better, more meaningful experience to players. And then obviously you described uh, RMT. That is such a challenge, you know, um, obviously being a long term fan of Blizzard, we, we get to see where in some cases they've they've legalized rmt in their mm -hmm. games so they're like their wow token if we're talking about world of warcraft right is that the solution i don't think so and so in some cases what we're going to be trying to do is is basically use these real-time analytics that are provided to us through our server subsystems uh and, and basically try to try to implement as much uh effort as we can as a small team can to to being mindful of these things and and try to prevent as much wrongdoing as we can yeah. right that's it's important and you know it's not a solid answer but it is a promise that we'll make an effort nice and now you know you were talking about ai we're cringing on ai i have to talk about right. the ai because you have to build ai into the zombies i guess the benefit of sure. having ai into zombies they don't have to be too smart they can just sort of you know you don't have to you know they're not the you know the sort of AI we're going to see in six days Fallujah, with the intelligence they have there, you'd be surprised. Okay, you'd be surprised. Yeah, um, the demo didn't necessarily showcase 
too many brains. Uh, and, uh, obviously, they were more interested in eating the player's brain than, <laughs> yeah. than, you know, showcasing theirs. But, you know, I like to see AI in game as as enemies, as the the good AI. That's that's the type of AI, the term we like. Mm -hmm. We don't cringe at that one. That's kind of meaningful, right? Yes. And, and making sure that the behavior trees um, employed by those AI are, are, are sort of robust and, and there's a lot of uh, potential action. So obviously you brought up zombies. Zombies are very important in a zombie apocalypse type shooter, right? Yeah. Of course. But even beyond zombies, what we're going to have are, are pretty, pretty, pretty gangster AI that, that want to engage with players that want to basically come and kick your ass, yeah. right? That's the intention, right? Um, obviously, we've all seen EFT's uh, AI and, and scavs for a mm -hmm. while, and they've, they've done a great job at changing the scavs over time. And, and especially with, with like specialty bosses and raiders yeah. and things like that. And there's a lot to praise them on, especially oh, over that journey, right? Especially yeah. coming from our perspective who says, Hey, we'd love to showcase an iterative process. Well, you know, kudos to them for those changes too. And, and in some cases we get to learn from that. We get to learn from uh, AI from a lot of games, yeah. like say six days in Fallujah. And you know, what we want is AI that would, almost have their own motives and mm -hmm. intentions right uh in, in a post-apocalyptic world where everybody's trying to survive is someone just going to stand in the center of the road kind of panning around until they see you and go Gapka! and then right. shoot at you probably not right instead they're they might see you and engage with you they might try to fuck you up and that's important yeah so we're going to have other ai other than zombies then we're going to have like sort of a... oh absolutely oh, okay cool yeah. i wasn't sure I, that's why i was like yeah. you're from an ai standpoint you don't need to worry about zombies but that's really cool that you're going to have like some sort of a faction or other rogue elements that you... oh there there will definitely be a, a few types of ai that's that's super important to us Excellent. you know i think that's something maybe uh i could have improved upon in in the in the first devlog is, yeah. is really touching on the fact that we're going to have a lot more than just zombies. There's so many people, especially in the comments that say, ah, you had me up until you talked about the zombies. They're so boring. They're un uninspired and, and, and otherwise, but I'm with you. Well, I actually agree. And I think, um, you know, cool. once again, maintaining that noise and light discipline, it's so important yeah. that being mindful of the type of engagements you find yourself, even against AI, well, you could get third partied if you're not careful. Yeah. So I think uh, zombies will definitely provide a meaningful experience for players in ways they're not even expecting it. However, for the real challenge, I think that's where you're going to find like our versions of scavs, our versions of raiders, our versions of, you know, bosses or, or otherwise. Right. And, you know, when we say bosses, we're not talking about like the division, like bullet sponges. Yes. We don't want that. That's, Another thing that's super important to me, and I'd say all of us as well, is, you know, we, we, we don't want there to be such a large disparity between, say, a high level and a low level player. And that's why, once again, having AI that might get you into some trouble, making noise and having mm -hmm. to pop off, well, you're going to have to be very mindful, especially if there's, you know, a high, high level player or a low level player. Yeah, Anyone can engage you and kill you and you know, obviously you can make friends uh, through proximity chat and things like that and meet yeah. the people, but you have to be very mindful about what you're doing and you have to watch your step. And now you saw, you touched on low, low, a low level player and a high level player. So is there going to be a progression system for the character that you're Absolutely. running with? And then, you know, the, uh, to add on to that, will there be like seasons or wipes? What's your envision of, you know, sort of the keep, you know, keep people playing the game? This is my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm going to try to make 
make it as uh, short and sweet as I can because I can be quite verbose, I know. Um, but what I'll say is this. Yeah, Ian, thank you. I, I agree, man. I agree. So in general, um, you know, there there will absolutely be a progression system for players. Um, there, there's no doubt in our minds that we want to have something that is meaningful, but not necessarily something that, once again, creates that large disparity between other players. So finding ways to make survival and surviving the elements, surviving your bodily needs and necessities, um, that's going to be important through the progression system. But you never really want to make a player like a super soldier compared to everyone else, right? I feel like that's where some games miss the mark. And so you know that that's really important. We're also going to have a progression system for our hideout, which is uh, I know you're thinking like hideout EFT. It's going to be very different. Um, it, it's 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 basically much like say Halo Forge, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be able to in real time place objects where you want them, build it to look how you want to, and there's going to be a whole progression system based around that concept. Uh, but those types of things might also help you. For example, let's say you're in the safe zone settlement. Well, if your hideout's leveled up, maybe you'll be regenerating water, food, things like that a little quicker. That's to be expected. Um, now talking about a wipe system, that's super important. And like I mentioned, probably my favorite thing to discuss because for us, we've, we've come to love and also hate EFT's progression system because it's really just a game based around leveling. There's no real end game at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Once you get, say, Kappa, yeah. is that the end of your journey? Do you go and jump on Minecraft or whatever? Well, if you watch Twitch, that seems to be the case. Yeah. And so for us, what we want to do is, once again, look at all these things, attempt to balance them. And and so creating a meaningful end game system is is incredibly important to us. But I'd say just as important to that is is making wipe worthwhile but making it memorable so obviously we've talked a little bit in our devlog about how we're going to have an arena system something that is really important to me is is bringing back almost like this old school feel let's say if you're a fan of like old school runescape or something like that back in the day if you were there for a certain event you would participate and get a particular item and when you were walking around the world people would see you wearing that cosmetic item and you were basically billy badass people got to see that you were there at that time at that place during that event and you earned it that's super cool that's super important and so not only providing ideas and concepts for cosmetics like that during just everyday average extraction gameplay but also a progression system for our arena system right allowing players who went and earned say the top 100 the top 10 the top one, two, three, whatever it is, yeah. there might be a, a specific cosmetic for you that you've went and earned and, and that was arguably pretty hard fought. And now you get the bragging rights. You get the ultimate show off what I've done. And you get maybe even a plaque to throw in your hideout and say, hey, your boy was top 100 in this wipe. Yeah. Something that actually provides that sort of memorable system uh, or that, that sort of... Um, memento for players you know uh moving forward and so just just as as important as say our story and 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 providing sort of that live uh, dlc so to speak um something something to that effect also providing cosmetics that people can look at and go yeah he was there he participated in that uh, i think that's the type of thing that really jazz gets 
people yeah. get jazzed about. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we do it right. You know, I don't want the shop items to be the only way people can look cool. Right. Hell, if we don't, if we don't need a shop, I'd prefer not to even have one. But what I definitely want is there to be meaningful progression and and some sort of ranked arena system. I think is a good way to deliver at least the more uh, desirable cosmetics. Yeah. And now will the arena system be a part of the main game or is that going to be like a DLC or something yep. else? Okay. Absolutely. We, uh, you know, we're not, we're not trying to sell two two different versions. Of we, the people here, you know, you're yeah. not going to be able to, uh, buy just the, we, the people base game and then the arena, you know, nothing like that. You, yeah. you just, our game, we're, we're looking at launching it for 1999 on steam. Obviously we'll have bundle tiers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you'll never be paying more than say like 50 bucks. If, if you truly wanted to ball out mm -hmm. on we, the people. Um, and in some cases, you know, I, I think, I think it's really important that, that we as a, as a small team are representing to people good integrity, right? We're not trying to siphon, your lifeblood. We're not just trying to create a a a, a shop in a microtransaction simulator and then you know wrap a game around it. You know the game comes first. The game's what matters. And if we try to find a way to 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 balance having say single player and multiplayer and all the type of game modes that people prefer, we'll certainly do that. Yeah. Now the, the real challenge here is. How do we not extend the scope beyond our initial intended goals? Right. Well, we're keeping that in mind. Yeah. We're, we're trying to be incredibly mindful about these and, and realize we are a small team. And so finding a balance in, in all these things yeah. is just as important as, as the rest. All right. Now, we talked about the extraction aspect of it. So how will how is the extraction mechanic going to work? Or how would you describe a, you know, I'm coming in, I'm going to do a raid, start and end what does that progress look like or what is that process well i imagine if i was say in a party with with all you three um at the main at the main menu in the sit at the settlement right uh we'd be sitting at our stash we'd be gearing out we'd be uh customizing the the aspects of our firearm that you cannot customize in raid at a workbench or otherwise yeah. right and you know Let's say I'm stocking up on ammo, stocking up on supplies, foods, med, uh, food, meds, stuff like that, right? When we're ready to deploy, it's as simple as just walking over, deploying. Maybe there's a small transition cutscene, but you're in, yeah. right? It's incredibly seamless. Now, that's our intended goal, right? We're looking at games like The Cycle, who have done that well and yeah. in almost what I would consider to be the gold standard for extraction shooters today. And so following that kind of blueprint, that's what we intend uh, to, to provide to people. And, and once you're in the game, now you're sort of, now you're stuck in, aren't you? Now you, you really have to battle everybody. Now you have to survive. And that's the challenge, right? There's going to be a ton of uh, obviously points of interest, depending on the map. Uh, and, and they are incredibly large maps uh, and, and, you know, trying to find out what your priority is, whether you went in with a particular quest or goal in mind. Let's say your intention is to just get into the most organic PvP you can. Well, luckily, at that point, you're just in there surviving as long as you can until you get God or you get gear enough that's good enough that you want to hightail it out of there, right? You want to beat feet to a extraction point, which, of course, there will be many of, and a lot of them will be um, a little more accessible, but equally as dangerous some of which 
will be less accessible like they might be locked behind a key for perhaps and and um maybe you you're afforded a little bit more protection when when going to that type of location and then there might even be some uh out of out of the way extractions but they're they pose their own challenge right yeah. it might be in the heart of a uh, an outpost full of ai that once again want to kick your ass yeah. and that's that's sort of your goal is to get in loot up and get out it's almost you can you can it's, approach it if you want to play it like a daisy type hey i just want to go in survive in the outback and as long as i can i can do that or sort of what we're familiar with from a tarkov type hey i got some goals a quest i want to bang out let's focus on that and you know get back to our settlement when we're done that that achievement yeah and, and i would say you know leaning closer to the tarkov um concept of, of people are going to want to progress you're going to want to improve your character there's going to be plenty of positive reasons to do that not just obviously you know more more things available to you through traders but um you know if if you do want to go in and pvp you, you can do that too and if if you don't care at all about quests you know let's just say all you want to do is just get into that fight you can do that obviously we're going to have the arena system for that um I don't know any other way to say it, but skipping the foreplay, yeah. right? You just get right into it. And, you know, something we're kind of looking at, once again, I, I referenced old school RuneScape. It's this idea that, you know, let's say Ian just, he just doesn't stop talking shit. <laughs> well, I'm going to challenge him to a 1v1. I'm going to say, play me for pink slips. Let me get, let, you wager your kid, I'll wager mine. Yeah. Let's, let's duke it out. Let's see who's the better man. It's like, the old days on uh, on COD, you know, one v one me on Rust. Yeah. You know, there's something <laughs> awesome about that, and I, I I like the the idea of bringing that back. But once again, let's say you have a a, a team of you have a, a a best friend that you're just you guys you click you 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 know your, each other's tactics. You know, you're you're both pretty pretty decent players. You can hop into a duo in the arena system. You can hop into a trio. Right, squads will max out at five. Right, for the attraction as well as the arena mode. You know, we won't necessarily, um, we won't promise that there there will never be, say, a larger scale game mode or something like that, like a TDM. But once again, within the scope of our original intended development, these are things we can consider when the game is out and we found some successes. Yeah, yeah something that's, yeah, I think really cool. And, and you mentioned earlier working with, you know, people like the uh, Evasion. You know, right. taking their feedback and what they would like to see from an arena mode. I think that's uh, that's you know that's really positive uh, way of thinking. Man, I I would love to see Sigma on this podcast someday. If 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 you've ever considered it, she's she's astounding and, she's and hotels quite times. great too. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. well, silly me. There you go. Um, uh, egg on my face, but she's 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 awesome, yes. and uh, and the the community they have built is is astounding i mean yeah. it's it's so cool to see um and and the evasion flag flies everywhere you would never expect it i i, I hop into a random uh streamers page and sure enough i see the little tag yeah. there and i'm like wow I, I i didn't expect that i thought i knew everyone who was associated and yeah. it just never stops and they're great people and one thing they do have is that uh tremendous insight into what helps and makes a great uh exactly. you know competitive play but not just from the perspective of someone playing the game but a viewer right mm -hmm. and that's kind of what allows them as a as a production team to 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 basically create the best competitive 
perspective to a viewer possible. And yeah. so what we want to do moving forward, especially as our as our game gets a little further down the line in development is we want to work with them to create sort of like a comparable CSGO style shoutcasting uh, perspective for, for viewers as well. So that way tournaments can be incredibly meaningful to, to viewers. Yep, absolutely. And then adding on to that, you know, you've, you've, you've taken a unique approach, like sort of like, you know, opening com the, the Komodo and saying, Hey, here we are working with the content creators, getting them in early right. and getting their feedback, uh, engaging them. I think that's a really, really cool way of, of, you know, sort of getting everybody excited for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like that's one of the largest, uh, amounts of groundwork that we've done thus far. Uh, one of the most amounts of groundwork, I guess I should say is, is getting involved with a lot of these content creators. And, and so, you know, getting them kind of in, in, uh, meetings with our writing team to create a meaningful character, right? We're not just trying to get content creators to go play or close play tests and stuff like that, right? The hype, the generation, that's important, right? For especially, especially like a grassroots marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. We're on top of that. We understand that that's, that's sort of easy, right? That's to be expected. But what we want to do is, is actually genuinely involve creators, even folks like yourself, for example, right? If you were interested in playing a character, for example, what we would do is have you meet up with our writing team. We would find out what your intentions are, your motivations, whether you want to be, uh, might be so, sort of pseudo RPG or, or D and D, but do you want to be lawfully good? Do you want to be chaotically neutral, right? Anything yeah. kind of in between good and, and evil. And what we'll do is try to write something out and, and take your feedback, right. And, and, and get your perspective on whether or not the, the character we've written actually matches the intentions you want your character to display. And, and once again, whether you even want that character to represent, say, your online personality yeah. or something entirely for the sake of, of our project. And so we've partnered with um, just the, the coolest people ever. And we're very thankful that people are taking a chance on us and, and giving us the, the time of their day. That's, that's super cool of them. And uh, realistically, what we want to do is make make the game as as friendly for everybody's community as possible, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, once again, from a grassroots marketing strategy, there's no doubt that it's it's going to be a, a, a fairly successful endeavor to have all the parasocial Andes out there able to engage with their favorite content creator, right? I, I imagine that would... Yeah. That would energize some people too. And then the other piece that the content creators bring to the to the table is there are thousands of hours of playing these games. They they can oh, yeah. the feedback, you know what, you know, right peak leaning, the things like all that information. Right, the inertia that, system. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have, you know, you're gonna get all sorts of data coming back into you. And then, you know, something that, you know, at the beginning of some games, you know, development of some games, people don't have that access to to the content or the creators. All right, looks like we'll find a lot of steam. Uh yeah, no, that's that's incredibly uh it's incredibly accurate, right? Like that's probably been the thing that's generated the most hype from the perspective of these creators is that they get the opportunity to to be a part of something from the ground up exactly. and, and give those perspectives, especially when, you know, potentially like the alternative might feel like it's closed off, like it's not listening, like it doesn't care about the player's sentiments. Whereas, you know, look at the name, look at small indie company. Yeah we're almost openly mocking the concept of these out of touch companies. Look at we, the people, 
it's in the name. It's it's a game of the people, by the people, for the people. That's yeah. our that's our goal. That's our ethos. That's our intentions and our mission statement. So if we're not doing that, we're expecting you to call us out. We're expecting you to basically hold us to that standard that we want to hold each other to. And in some cases, it starts with the content creators, but it does trickle down to the broader community as a whole. And, and we want to make sure our game is as accessible to everyone as possible. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love the story and I got to, you know, thank you guys for your time. What do you guys have for upcoming milestones that people, you know, should, you know, sort of keep an eye out for? Yeah. So obviously working on devlocks, incredibly important. We want to keep that content coming out. We want to keep that transparency going. We just released devlog number two, and we're very thankful for that. It was the first time we were not just public facing, but sitting down as a team recording live and just kind of chatting and, and boy, can you tell it's live? We are really just kind of chatting among us <laughs> as a, as a team. And, and you hear quite a lot of ums and, and this and that, and, and, you know, we are not that media trained, uh, but yeah. in terms of, uh, big milestones we're, we're really looking at late august uh for potentially like another demo we, mm -hmm. we would be um kind of pushing it close but we're, we're gonna try we're gonna do what we can to achieve that goal and then obviously we're gonna be showcasing at uh uh at math chiefs expo right his his games expo and obviously last year i think that got 1.5 million oh, wow. views uh across across the board and i think the year before that it was like a million so to have an opportunity like that, especially this early, mm -hmm. uh, we're very thankful for that. And 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 we're going to just continue to try to approach these these small, meaningful milestones and and, and try to just continue showing off our progress. And yeah. uh, I guess, you know, from from Cody's perspective, finishing up our spatial inventory. Right. That's super important because that is the basis for our game other than, say, the gunplay in the, in the framework uh, broadly. And so, you know, from that for me and, surprisingly hard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, and you know, from Ian's perspective, making sure the movement is is replicated and as performant as possible, providing players the opportunity to change key binds and settings and options right through Lucas and his endeavors, um, you know, working with people like Sydney to provide uh, very, very high quality and newly updated sounds that's going to be very important and and just all of us as a team right we're, we're trying to work together to create a game and we're doing it all in front of you guys so your judgments your your feedback your praise and even your criticisms we're here for it and we're going to be able, are we going to be able to switch uh, shoulders when we're aiming left or right you can actually already do that nice that's excellent and are we going to have a female character selection too yes um, obviously uh, the United States is a, a fairly culturally diverse place. It is a melting pot, and it takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Um, a very, very diverse place. And so not only are you going to be able to play uh, a male or a female, you know, you might you might find yourself able to play a lot more than pasty Russian one through four. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say it like that. And a release date aiming for, I think I saw somewhere like 18 months out. Yeah, I'd say that's a that's a fair estimation. It would really depend on the type of pub, uh, publishing deal we we might side with, or yeah. or even if community funding sort of finds its way. But the truth is here, you know, with or without supplemental funding, this game will get made, and that's our intention, that's our goal, and that's our promise. You know, if we find ourselves with a publisher, we're going to do what makes uh, the most sense for us as a team, but also what maintains the highest integrity of our project and our goals in mind. Like you mentioned. Yeah, it's my baby, and I want to see it grow up and and you know be 
everything it's intended to be. And yeah. so that's the goal. If it's 18 months from now and it's it's close but no cigar, what we'll do is follow Dark and Darker's blueprint and keep coming out with, you know, weekly play tests and things yeah. like that, letting people get their hands on it. But we're not intending on selling the game at least in an early access state on steam until we feel it's ready and, nice. and once again there's no gun to our head telling us we need to do it exactly. we need to release it now anything like that so we will let it cook we will let it bake and and, and hopefully it will turn into what it's intended to be long term excellent and now how can uh, if how can people help or contribute right so i would say the best method right now uh just just give us a follow on our social medias right we have a twitter us at small indico we have a youtube we the people game we have a discord please join discord.gg slash we the people um obviously we have a patreon but my advice to anybody especially in uh, somewhat tumultuous times is is be very mindful about your dollar if, if if you feel that you cannot contribute or you don't want to support this process then don't um just wait until the game comes out and then uh you know buy it buy it then but if you're absolutely interested especially if you want to engage in some early multiplayer play tests stress tests bug bashes anything like that just giving us feedback uh maybe some early access to demos things like that the patreon's the best bet excellent all right ian drew and cody thank you so much for your time guys i really appreciate it, it was nice meeting you and i'm super pumped uh you know to see what